Today's episode of Locked On MLB is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And now it's time to start Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Daily MLB Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, where's my lower third? There it is. You can call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who is now starting his fifth year as a podcaster here with the Lockdown Podcast Network. I've been baseball podcast for more than a decade, but I've been here and talk about baseball all during the offseason, and we're going to continue doing it as we're building up to what should be an exciting 2023 season. Hey, you can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. You can also follow us on YouTube. Some of you are watching us on YouTube right now, or you're listening to us on your podcast device. Thanks so much for making us your first listen. All right. I'm telling you what I'm going to do today. First of all, I'm back in the luxurious Sully Baseball studios here in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rosewell. It was really fun going back up to uh, Palo Alto, seeing family during the Christmas break. But and you know, doing some of the podcasts from my old childhood room. You're going to see there's one more that I did uh, in the can uh, that we recorded there. Uh, obviously, I've recorded a bunch of podcasts ahead of time, uh, so I didn't do that many uh, new ones there, but they've been churning out five a week. I'm going to keep doing it right now. Um, is it, before we go into I'm going to, today's going to be kind of like a mailbag episode. I'm going to be going through some of the comments that some of you have been leaving, either here on YouTube or on Instagram or on Twitter or you know, wherever you send me their stuff. And uh, there's some things I'll just sort of address. I want to make sure you know that if you send me something, I, I, I am reading them. I am reading them. I'm going to address them today. Uh, there has been some baseball news, including some – I don't want to – you know, I mean, look, this is just when reality creeps in to baseball. Uh, Liam Hendricks, sad news today. Liam Hendricks announced that he is getting treatment for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. It, we Hopefully he will battle through it. This is one of these things that obviously puts sports in a sense of, you know, show that it's not as important as life. And Liam Hendricks, multiple all-star, one of really – Incredibly popular player. Uh, was playing with the White Sox last year. Yeah, this is just terrible news for the you know for the baseball community, and and hopefully he beats it. Hopefully he comes you know hopefully he comes back because I think baseball is a little bit better with Liam Hendricks coming out of the bullpen. But obviously the first and foremost is the thoughts of you know the person, and you hope that he comes through. Uh, very, very soon. And so, you know, all the best wishes is obviously not a lot I can do from here, but I hoping that he becomes a, a great success story, which would mean, you know, pulling through. 
Uh, a couple other things, though. The couple other uh, baseball announcements. First of all, I made a joke a few weeks ago about how Carlos Correa is going to be bouncing around to 13 different teams. Um, is that going to come true? I mean, it really looks like he's going to sign with someone other than the Mets right now. Because, you know, the Mets are, are reluctant to sign him to a long-term deal. There must be something really, really wrong. Because, you know, I just was up in the Bay Area. And Giant fans are, are salivating for a Giant move. You know, no pun intended, to get people excited about the 2023 season. And they keep picking players. They just signed Michael Conforto. They keep bringing in players who will be solid contributors. But they thought they may have a shot at Aaron Judge. I'd never, say for one day, I I really thought he was just heading back to the Yankees. They announced Correa and then pulled the plug on it for injury issues. The Mets say, ah, the Giants are stupid. We'll go do it. Then they said, yikes. When you have one team, a big market, rich team like the Giants, who needs to make a big splash to win over their fans after the disappointing 22 season, and the Mets, who just won't stop spending money, when those two teams stop in their tracks, you know something's up, which is one reason why I'm not going to be trashing the Giants or the Mets about this whole situation. Obviously, something's up. And if they're going to be contribute, if they're going to be um, making a commitment for more than a decade, and we can't even get to Dr. King Day in January, heck, we couldn't get to New Year's Eve with either one of these two teams saying, "I don't know if you're healthy enough to do this." You know, I, look, it. I've made my point clear, and we're going to address this in some of the texts and emails and comments that you've made. Uh, when I do the mailbag section, there are no poor teams. Teams can afford to sign their stars. Teams can afford to put a solid product on the field. That's clearly not the issue of what's happening here. The issue is that he is. there is something wrong. There is something wrong with a capital wrong. And watch him re-sign with Minnesota to another one-year deal. But it's weird because Correa was a very big part of the Astros winning the 2021 American League pennant. I'm pointing at the watch in the series against the Red Sox. God, that seems like a long time ago. Just two seasons ago, the Red Sox were two wins away from the World Series. Doesn't that seem like a lifetime ago? I digress. The Correa was a huge part of that. He looked like he was the team. He looked like he was the one star who understood their role as being the villains of baseball. And was a big part of them winning the 2021 pennant, getting to within two wins of winning the 2021 World Series. Since then, he's been a twin, a giant, and a Met. Although, who would have guessed that he would spent the most games playing for Minnesota in that run? Um, if I were the Baltimore Orioles, I would offer him a, a one-year deal. That would get... Oriole fans happy who are really, really mad that they are not trying to build upon a surprise season. Um, And also look at, I, if, if he, if his health is this bad, there's no way you can commit to a long-term deal. And maybe he needs to show the world that he can be healthy for a full season. I don't know the answer. Neither do you. All I know, this whole thing is being bizarre, absolutely bizarre. Well, two teams that were 
irrelevant for a decade and more, some more than that, have been the Phillies and the Mariners. Phillies didn't sniff the postseason since Ryan Howard collapsed in a heap at the end of the 2011 playoffs. And that was 10 years after the Mariners' last playoff appearance. And then suddenly, boom, Mariners make the playoffs as a wild card. Philadelphia makes the playoffs as a wild card in 2022. And, of course, the Phillies go on to win the National League pennant. And Dave Dombrowski is once again showing how things can get done. We have news for both of those franchises. Well, quick, quick news for the um, the Mariners brought in A.J. Pollock, not long after bringing T. Oscar Hernandez. They are trying to go for it. Now, is A.J. Pollock the terrific player he was a couple of years ago? No, he was a key contributor to the Dodgers winning the World Series in the truncated 2020 World uh, season. He was a big slugger for Arizona when they made the playoffs. He was a disappointing part of last year's disappointing season with the Chicago White Sox, but he's bringing his bat to the Mariners and seeing how he fits in. And, you know, good for the Mariners to continue to put together a team as they want. They're they're the only organization, the only current organization to never have appeared in the World Series. And they're trying to fix that. So good on them. But Dave Dombrowski of the Phillies, he does what he does, which is he sees what the major league team needs. And if it means trading away prospects and young players, he will make the improvements. And the Phillies won the pennant last year, probably a year or two ahead of schedule. And they needed help in their bullpen. And so they traded away uh, Nick Maton and Dan- Donnie Sands and Matt Veerling to the Detroit Tigers. And they got Gregory Soto and Cody Clements. Obviously, oddly, Cody Clements is the son of Roger Clements. He's gone to Philadelphia. But it was Gregory Soto that was the key part of the deal. Um, he's a left-handed reliever, for those who don't know him. He's been an all-star with the Detroit Tigers. He's had some very, very good years with the Tigers. And he is joining Matt Stram in the bullpen with the Phillies. And they've also bring in Craig Kimbrell. Um, they brought in Taiwan Walker and to all boost the Phillies pitching staff. And, of course, Trey Turner was brought in to boost the Phillies lineup. Now, all three of the players, Mayton, Sands, and Veerling, none of them are stars. None of them are top prospects, but they're all players who are major league ready. They're all going to play in the major leagues this year for the Detroit Tigers. Mayton's an infielder. Veerling's an outfielder. Donnie Sands a catcher. The Tigers needed physical bodies to play on the major league staff. And there they go. You got three of them. And, you know, fine. Soto is not exactly long in the tooth. He's 28 years old. Um, he pitched well last year. He didn't pitch great. He pitched well. But he's been an all-star the last couple of years. Um, again, uh, you know, he was doing so for as the, the token representative for a terrible Detroit Tigers team. But he pitches great against left-handed uh, bats. It, it's giving the Phillies depth in their bullpen. And Dombrowski is looking at this team 
as any normal person should do, and it's saying, hey, the name of the game is to have pitching depth. You're going to slug the ball when you have the Harpers and the Schwarbers, and now you got the Trey Turners, and you're the Castellanos. You got these people who can all mash the ball and get big hits. Now they have the pitching depth. And they're coming off a year where they had a trip to the World Series. So all that being said, Dombrowski saying, I don't care if these are three major league ready players in our system. Fine, go to Detroit. We're trying to win right now. And I love that mentality. And that's what Dave Dombrowski does. And I have a feeling that the Phillies are going to win a World Series on his watch. And the good fans of Philadelphia, and I was there this summer, they're great fans there, are going to feel like they just got a great boost of energy from what Dombrowski does. If it means trading away some top prospects, so be it. It's going to be an absolute refreshing delight for the Phillies fans to see a title. It'd be a great treat for them. And if you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, then you've got to try a built Bar. Now, look, we all just made it through the holidays. We're all just trying to, you know, we got to work off the eggnog. We got to work off the, pep- or is it the peppermint brittle, which we had. It's good stuff. My mom made some great stuff. My mother-in-law made some great stuff. Hell, I made some great stuff. But if you want to get healthier as we turn the calendar page, but you want to compromise taste, then look it, you got to go Built Bar. Built is healthy and tasty. They're so delicious, you're going to assume they're bad for you. And what makes them so good? Well, they got 100% real chocolate. Huh? They come in great flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. I don't know how Built Bar does it, but they taste great while maintaining great macros. Look, we're baseball fans. We like to read the numbers. Well, 130 calories. You can work that off before you know it. Four grams of sugar. That's practically nothing with 17 grams of protein. And now look at, you don't need to wait around for a box coming into the mail anymore. For years, we've been getting them through the mail at Built.com. You can still do that, but you can get them now at Walmart or at Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today and walk into the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-box set of cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, which is great, and churro. You can thank me later. It's a new year, but it's the same built bars, and that's a good thing. All right. Uh, one thing I wanted to do today, uh, by the way, we have, we have some interesting shows coming up, uh, not the least of which is we're going to be doing, uh, you know, our buddy Miller Thomas is going to be back to doing a show. I know some of you think that he's too biased against the Dodgers. He's from Locked On Diamondbacks. What are you expecting? Be showing up with an Oral Hershiser's jersey? Easy for you to say. Um, also, we're going to be talking uh, A's with a host of Locked On A's. We're going to be talking Mets with a host of Locked On Mets. We're going to have some really fun shows coming up. And I also recorded a conversation with my good friend, Dan Epstein, who wrote the wonderful book, The Captain and Me, which is about Ron Bloomberg and Thurman Munson and the Yankees of the early 1970s. He's the author of Stars and Strikes and the the amazing book, uh, Big Hair and Plastic Grass. He's a friend of the podcast. We're happy to have him back. Um, Well, let's take a look at some of the the, uh, 
the texts and messages that people have been sending us. Uh, first and foremost, Jeff Cohen, who's been a guest on our show. Uh, check out his podcast, Baseball and Barbecue. Uh, dear friend of the show, always contributing. Uh, he's, he's a huge Mets fan. And he says, Sully, there are actually Yankee fans criticizing the Mets for their payroll. Isn't that hypocritical? Well, of course it is. It's incredibly hypocritical. The Yankees have been a team since, God, the days of Casey Stengel, where they have been a gluttonous team signing players. Steinbrenner obviously did that a lot. There have been, you know, the Yankees, even when Cashman and company are not spending out of control, they're always near the top of the payroll. They're always looked upon as one of the teams that, you know, needs to, you know, people talk about salary caps or whatnot. I, I'm not a fan of a salary cap at all. Uh, the Yankees always come up. And Yankee fans have enjoyed a generations of taking advantage of teams trying to dump players because of their salary. Hell, they, they raided the Red Sox in the, the end of the 1910s bringing in Babe Ruth and an all-star team of championship players from Boston because they were milking the Red Sox and milking them dry of their star players that they would, that they would take off their hands. They had, you know, they were able to sign big stars like, you know, Joe DiMaggio and top prospects to come up in order to be part of their team throughout the thirties and forties and the fifties and sixties, they had a, what should have been a legal collusion relationship with the athletics them being in kansas city at the time <clears throat> where they just sent players to the a's and whatever the a's had a very good player they would be sent to the yankees for you know pennies on the dollar and then of course when free agency kicked around they were the first one to kick down the door signing catfish hunter when he became a free agent we had a whole big podcast talk about that and whether it was Reggie Jackson or Don Gullett or Rich Gossage or Dave Winfield or Luis Tiant or up and down the line signing big time free agents. Yes, they signed their, you know, they had a core when they were winning the World Series with you know, Jeter, Pettit, Bernie Williams, Posada, Mariano Rivera. We know that, but they also used their money to keep those players around and to bring in the, you know, Cone was dumped by a team. Wells signed him. The Clemens came in, signing El Duque, signing Matsui, signing Jason Giambi, signing Mike Mussina. I mean, that's been their reputation. Signing CeCe Sabathia, signing Mark Teixeira, you know, and, and bringing in uh, uh, Garrett Cole, bringing in uh, Carlos Rodon, signing Aaron Judge to the huge contract, and picking up A-Rod in a salary dump by the Texas Rangers, picking up Giancarlo Stanton with a salary dump because they could afford it. Yeah, that's part of the Yankee uh, uh, mentality. How did the Red Sox wind up being the Yankees eventually? By trying to beat the Yankees at their own game. So Yankee fans complaining that the Mets are spending tons of money is not really self-aware. However, it's one of those moments where they could actually stand outside and see what everyone else is seeing. That they've been so used to them being the team that picks up all the players. When they see someone else does, especially the Mets, who had years and years and years and years of not being spenders because the franchise was, you know, duped 
in the freaking uh, um, with the Ponzi scheme by uh, was it by Madoff and ownership was a mess and they wouldn't be spending money. Stephen Cohen came in and said, "Hey, I have an idea. What if I show up here and spend tons of money because I'm in New York? I'm going to be a big big market team. I'm going to act like it." You know, Yankee fans are seeing themselves in the reflection. And they don't like it. I don't know why they don't like it. You know, it's just, it's part of it. And I am 100% for, if you're a billionaire owner, you want to sign lots of players, go do it. Doesn't always mean success. Doesn't always mean winning. But hey, you know, give them a shot. And Yankee fans, yeah, it's incredibly hypocritical. But you know what? Sports fans are not known for uh, thinking through their positions. They just want, they want the, that's, there's a little bit of odd jealousy going on. They want their team to be the one spending the piles of money. Um, I had talked about uh, the fact that a baseball team does not owe their team a champion, owe their fans a championship. They owe their fans an entertaining summer. I've been saying that for years. Yes, it's great if they win a championship, but the main thing is to provide entertainment for the summer. And if a team does not do that, does not put a quality product on the field, does not give their fan base a summer, then by definition, they're not doing their job. Uh, I I don't know how to pronounce this this name. Exaj Tesh? E, e, Ekajtesh, E-K-A-J-T-E-S-C-H. I'm sorry I'm butchering your name. Um, wrote a he or she, I don't know if it's a he or she, uh, is clearly a Reds fan. And he said, the Reds enter the chat. The sad reality is that teams like mine have two mildly competitive seasons and 20 horrible ones. And the owners don't give a fig about winning and losing because they're making bank. Say what you want about Cohen. He'd be a dream for us. Sell the team, Bob. Exactly. The Reds, who should be a giant regional team, when you consider where they are, their proximity to other large markets like Indianapolis, like Canton, like Dayton, like Louisville, like Frankfurt, like potentially Nashville, that whole region should be Cincinnati Reds fans. And the way you do that is put a great product on the field. Reds fans are chomping at the bit to show up at the park, but they're not going to show up at the park if it's going to be a decade of crummy teams or if they have a decent team. Because remember, the Reds in 2021, in September at one point, they were tied for a wild card spot. They had a competitive team in 2021. They gave their fans a summer that year, and then they blew the team up, and they're probably going to stink for the next bunch of years. I understand their ebbs and flows, and you can't always win 90 games. Not even the Yankees win 90 games every year. However, if you're a team like the Reds, you should be either rebuilding or building towards something. In other words, every decade, there should at least be one year where it kind of comes together as a Venn diagram and you think, ooh, ooh, we could win it this year. If you're not going to put together a championship caliber team every year, you've got to give your fans at least three years a decade where they say, hey, wait a minute. We could win. And there's no excuse for the Cincinnati Reds. None. You know, the Tampa Bay Rays have already shown you could put together a quality product and make the postseason year in and year out, even amongst the big spenders. But there is no behemoth 
in the National Central. Not that Cardinals do spend money, the Cubs spend money when they want to. Fine. They're also in division with the Pirates and the Milwaukee Brewers. Okay? There is no one behemoth that they have to topple. And the fact that they haven't really given their fans a chance to think about a World Series title, or at least saying, hey, if everything breaks free, we can really make it work this year. No excuse. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, a, a billionaire who want, just wants to win, if you want to be beloved by a region, buy the Reds, spend your money to make them competitive. Uh, I talked about the suffering index where I try to figure out, I try to quantify suffering for fan bases and the reds are really high up there but scott campbell asked a question and i and i probably should have addressed this on the show he said would this make montreal fans number 31 on the suffering index you could make a real case that no fan base in baseball has suffered like the montreal expos um that they were saddled of having to play in la Stade olympique because the 76 Olympic Games in Montreal were an abject financial disaster and having the Expos play in that horrible stadium. And I went to that stadium. Baseball should not be played in that that Starship Enterprise that crashed outside of uh, uh, Montreal. Um, it, was a, it's, it was not a good place to play baseball. And they had some really wonderful teams. And the two times that they put together teams that could have won the World Series was in 81 where they lost in the final game of the NLCS on the Rick Monday home run of Los Angeles. And of course the 94 team, which was the best team maybe in all of baseball. And then the strike hit. And one of the great what ifs in baseball history is what would have happened if the strike didn't hit? And would they have won the pennant? Would the excitement of that team have sent the team into a frenzy? sent the fans into a frenzy. And you also have to remember that they, you know, they lost their team. And they still, you know, they had great players on the team, a great weird tradition that they had. And even those final years when they were owned by Major League Baseball was a disgrace. They still had a couple of winning seasons as well. But nobody was showing up to the game because they knew that, you know, the Major League Baseball was letting the team die on the vine. But keep in mind that they... In 20, 2004 was the last year of the Expos. Next year will be the 20th anniversary, which is, again, a reason why Expos fans are incredibly suffering is because they've had great players, Hall of Famers, had the rug pulled out from their team, and now they lost their team to Washington. There's hope if they put a new team there. It's been long enough. It's been a couple of decades almost 20 years without the Expos. And if you use the rule of seven, if you're 25, 26 years old in Montreal, you have no memory of a baseball team there. And I think the excitement to getting a team, and maybe have them play in Stade Olympique for the first couple of years, but to build a real ballpark there, I bet it would be a spectacular success. I actually honestly do. But right now, yeah, I mean, you can make the case. Right now, Cleveland fans have the highest suffering index, but I should probably do the calculations. I bet you'd have to include a factor of like a hundred, adding a hundred to the score if you lost your team and then lost your team and saw them win a world series as their new team.
which is what they are with happened with uh, the Washington Nationals. Man, if you're a Montreal fan, you know, and the Canadiens haven't won since 1993. Uh, if you were a Quebec Nordique fan, you saw your team leave and become the Colorado Avalanche, where they've won, I think, three Stanley Cups. They're the current Stanley Cup champion. That must be brutal too. So yeah, I, I the that's a really good point. Uh, I, Scott Campbell pointed that out. Really good point that the uh, Montreal Expos should be really high up there in the suffering index. Um, and look, and it is a. I I do think though that it would be a, an absolute surefire bet if a new team is put there that they would be a success. And if you're looking for bets, go to betonline.net. It's still your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there. In pro football, we got the college football championship coming up. Got the NFL playoffs. Pretty soon we'll have the Stanley Cup finals and the NCAA tournament. Maybe the NBA playoffs are coming up soon. They got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at Bet Online as well. With the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online is where the game starts. Uh, let's just take a look at some more uh, comments that people have written in. Oh, this one, uh, look at, I'm, pardon me, didn't want to touch this with a 10 foot pole, but George Cook 2026 asked, Did you guys mention Trevor Bauer? I did that when I was talking about the Dodgers. Well, first of all, our Dodgers discussion is only going to be, um, I get the bet online banner out of there, uh, talk about players who are actually get to play on the Dodgers next year. Um, I, I, the less said about Trevor Bauer, I think the better. Um, this is not a court of law. However, you don't have to have a court of law to have a team say, do you know what? This is not worth, he's not worth the headache. The Dodgers say it's worth paying him, what, 20-some-odd million dollars to go away. That's telling. It's telling that the Cleveland and Cincinnati couldn't get rid of him fast enough. And whether or not he's guilty of everything he has been accused of, what we know he has done, the harassment online and everything, is enough for a team, I think, to say, yeah, I don't want to deal with this guy. He's not worth the headache is not worth the headache. It's not worth the controversy. It's not worth the circus. And sometimes that's the case. Will he sign with the team? I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, uh, it, this is not a he's innocent until proven guilty situation. This is a it's not worth it. Even just on a baseball point of view, he said he had the one Cy Young season in a truncated year. He timed that perfectly. But at the at the same notion... Everywhere he's turned, it's been more of a headache than it's worth. You know, Cleveland couldn't wait to get rid of him. He's not a guy who seems to be the the sharpest tool in the shed. There's a guy who, in the World Series run of 2016, got his finger cut up by a drone in during the playoffs when the Cleveland, they were called the Indians, and the Cleveland Indians rotation was so razor thin after the loss of Salazar and Carrasco. And, you know, he wound up showing up on the mound in Toronto with his hand bleeding because of a drone. 
this is not a, this is not a very sharp guy, and from what we've seen, he's not a very good guy. And I can guarantee you, some teams are like, do you know what? I don't want to deal with him. I don't want to deal with this issue. It's not worth it. It's not worth the publicity. It's not worth the press. It's not worth the distraction. It's not that good. You know, not that if he's guilty of what he's been accused of, I don't care if he's Roy Halladay in his prime, you get get him out of the league. As it is, even without knowing whether he's guilty or not, he, he is guilty of being a pain in the butt. And probably not worth the trouble. He'll probably get signed by someone because it won't cost them anything. But I think it'll be a public relations nightmare and really not worth it. Uh, Pablo said, uh, also was talking about me. uh, This was on the episode where I talked about the fact that Cleveland is run by billionaires and yet have one of the lowest payrolls of baseball as they have a chance to end a drought which in 11 years will match the Red Sox 86 years. They have a chance to win now with a great pitching staff and a good, solid young team if they raise their payroll from the bottom to the middle. They'd probably be a legitimate pennant contender right now, but they won't do it because they're cheapskates. They have the money to do it. They have piles of money to do it. Pablo said, thank you, Sully. No more defending cheapskate billionaires. As a Brewers fan, it's about time someone says it. Small market is a euphemism, is a euphemism easy for you to say, for cheap ass. Not sure if that's a word I'm allowed to say here, but uh, go ahead and say it. Yeah, there are no poor owners. Um, I talked a little bit about um, the fate of the A's at one point and which cities may get a expansion team, which team should have a team move. I don't want to see the A's move because I love the A's. I love going to Oakland games. I love when I'm up in the Bay Area for a big chunk of the summer. I love to go to Oakland games. Uh, That being said, I think that they have shown that the Bay Area is not a two-team market, at least not anymore. Uh, I think, and I will say this till I'm blue in the face. I'll say this till I look like a Smurf or can join the traveling crew of Blue Man Group. I don't think baseball will work in Las Vegas. I think baseball will be a disaster in Las Vegas. And if the A's move to, to Las Vegas, it's just going to fall flat on its face. I think the two places the A's should move to, if they have to move, either move them to Portland or move them to Nashville. One of those two markets, I think they'll both do great. Um, and there's big corporate money there. There are people with deep roots there who identify with the team. Uh, I think they would both embrace, both those markets would embrace the A's. I think it would be a great thing. Sam McBride is one of my listeners, and he said, I would love to see Portland get a Major League Baseball team. As a Mariners fans, it's so strange not having a natural rival, and I would love that. I hope the A's go to Portland. You know, this is why the Houston Astros moved from the National League to the American League is because they create a natural geographical rival with the uh, Texas Rangers. This is another, to me, one of the billions of examples of why we should, you know, especially since we have a universal DH, which I've never been a fan of. I do like having the two leagues with two different rules, but as I've said over and over again, 
if adopting the the universal DH prevented the a, a, a strike and prevented a work stoppage, then I bite the bullet and say, okay, fine, we have a universal DH. Fine, we'll do that. But seeing there's now no difference between the American League and National League, now's the time to create a, you know, to create four basic geographical divisions of eight teams, span by two, figure out Oakland, figure out Tampa's situation, add two more teams. Um, I think... I think you got to have a team in Tampa. I think it will work if you had a better stadium. Um, figure, you know, if the A's move to Portland, fine, expand to Nashville. If the A's move to Nashville, fine, expand to Portland. And I think give Montreal another shot. Boom, there's 32 teams. You have four eight-team divisions. And you have natural geographic rivals. That'll all be that'll all be there. Makes sense. All the Northeast teams, the Mets, the Phillies, the Yankees, the Red Sox, they're all playing each other as geographical, natural geographical rivals. White Sox, Cubs, Brewers, Tigers, Reds, they all play in there. And then you have a southern one, which may stretch into Texas. So Texas and uh Houston would have rivalries with Atlanta, would have you know, we'll figure out who plays in what. And then the West, that'll include all the California teams, and then a pair of teams in the Northwest, and you also throw in Arizona and uh, Colorado. It makes sense. I don't understand why they don't do that. That seems to be the, the smartest way to market the teams, market the leagues, it's because the, 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 the American League National League is now meaningless. So why are we fighting it? Realign, have great geographical rivalries, have great summer rivalries, and there you go. Uh, finally, Cody Leach. Cody Leach commented, unfollowing all Locked On podcasts. Connor Newcomb has gone full political for the O's. Bye now. Well, Connor Newcomb, first of all, I don't understand why not liking Connor Newcomb's wonderful podcast, Locked On Orioles, means saying goodbye to all Locked On podcasts. Um, Seems strange. Uh, I did ask Cody what he meant. Um, apparently, uh, there was a talk about vaccinations and players should get those. I don't understand how that's a political statement. Uh, and also, um, he said that the, the, the host said something about Black Lives Matter. Um, I think they do. Um, but apparently that was so strong a political statement that Cody Leach, had to announce his departure like he was a plane leaving the airport. He had to announce his departure. Well, Cody, um, we'll miss you. We'll miss you, but we're here for you. If you change your mind, especially as you're entering these winter, these these next couple of months where that this time where we, we're not distracted by holidays and getting together and New Year's, we have January and February, the hardest parts of the offseason. The slowest parts of the offseason where there's no baseball, none. And we're waiting for spring training to show up. We're waiting for the trucks to drive off to Arizona and Florida. And you're not there yet. We're not seeing any games yet. Maybe you'll watch some basketball. Maybe you watch some hockey or football. But it doesn't quite quench that need to have the everyday baseball fun. I'm going to be here. Cody Leach. I'm going to do everything in my power 
to not be political. But do you know what? Sometimes, and this is just something we all need to understand. A show like this is not going to completely exist in a vacuum, especially where I'm going to be giving my opinions. I make it known. I invite people of all political spheres here, but I will say things every once in a while. My opinion will come out and baseball does not exist in a vacuum. Never has. Never has. It's always reflected our society in one way, shape, or another. And when you listen to people, I listen to people, and sometimes I'll hear things that I don't agree with. I I mean, I've gotten into very heated political conversations with, like, for example, H-Town of, uh, of Locked On Astros, where we, we have very strong disagreements on some political things and religious things and everything like that. We get along really well. I consider him to be a friend, and I hope he does the same with me. But there are times in life you're going to watch someone or you're going to listen to someone, and they'll say something that you don't agree with. I have, like, like I said, the uh, teams don't have an obligation to give you a championship team every year. They do have an obligation to put an entertaining product on the field. <clears throat> I have no obligation for you to agree with everything I say. Hell, I don't agree with everything I say. But just know, this is the world we live in. Sometimes people will say something, and you may not agree with what they're saying. Fine. But maybe that's just part of the salad bar of life. That sometimes, well, I like what he said about this. I didn't agree with him about that, but I agree with him about this, or I enjoyed that, or even though I didn't agree with him on this, I liked how, like, like this take, or it said in a funny way, or this, that, or the other thing. That way with some comedians. You know, I don't agree with everything Bill Burr says, or Bill Maher, other people, or Stephen Colbert, people who I watch. I don't always agree with them, but I can be entertained by them. And sometimes listen and say, hey, I don't agree with that statement they said. And maybe that will spark thought. Maybe that will spark debate. Maybe that will spark a moment of trying to understand why they have that point of view and that may strengthen your position or weaken it or cause you to question it or make you realize, do you know what? There's a better response to that than saying, I'm out of here. Just a little life lesson. We're going to live on this planet and sometimes you're going to hear things you don't agree with. You can either let it roll off your back, let it strengthen your point of view, let it strengthen your character, or you can skedaddle. Either way, Cody Lynch, you're always welcome back to the show. And we'll be talking baseball. I'm going to be talking baseball all the time here. So thanks so much for all of you for making Locked On MLB your first listen every day. What about for your second listen? Go to Locked On MLB Prospects. Just add another word at the end of our show. Lindsey Crosby, friend of the show, he's a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow or players who will be traded away from the Philadelphia Phillies. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Answering questions and praising teams that go for it, put a good product on the field, spend some money, and St. Leon Hendricks, please get well. This has been Locked On MLB for the ninth day of January 2023. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.